Last Sunday, Pastor Paul, Paula, preached a wonderful sermon on doubting Thomas. When Thomas would not believe the testimony of others, but had to see for himself that Christ was risen. She reminded us that like Thomas, some of us need tangible reminders of God's presence, along with the witness of others. And there is no shame in that. Listen now to what happens next in the Gospel of John in our reading from chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, well, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That dis disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our lesson continues in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, 
do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And after this, he said, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O oh Lord, open our hearts, our ears, our minds, our souls to hear what you would say to us this day, what you desire from us, and how you will fill us. This we pray in your holy name, O oh Lord, and may all God's people say, Amen. The Gospels tell us very little about Jesus' activity after his resurrection, writes Sheldon Sorge, scholar and head of Pittsburgh Presbytery. After offering lengthy, painstakingly detailed accounts of Jesus' trial and crucifixion, all we get about Jesus' resurrection are a few sub subsequent appearances of Jesus to his disciples. What we do learn, he says, is that Jesus can and does show up anywhere, anytime. Sometimes he's recognized, <laughs> often he's not. In each case where he shows up incognito, he is appearing at a time of crisis, just when he is needed most. I would say this is one of those times. This time in the disciples' life together. After Jesus' death and resurrection, after the grief and fear, the confusion and wonder, the disciples are just trying to get back to normal most of them are fishermen. That's what they'd done before Jesus had called them to follow him. So what do they do once he wasn't with them 24-7? <laughs> they go back to the way things used to be, which is precisely where Jesus meets them. We know what it's like to try to get back to normal, don't we? As we begin to emerge bit by bit from the ravages of the pandemic, we're, we're still trying to figure out what we should do. Yes, it is still with us. Yes, there are still arguments about what precisely precautions we should take but most of all, we're wrestling with this question. What does normal look like now? What does normal look like now? What have we learned? Which makes me wonder what we can learn from the first disciples in our story today. The first thing the disciples learn is that, in fact, things have changed. 
They can't just jump back in time to where they'd been before. Even when they're back to normal, in this case, in the familiar work of fishing, they aren't succeeding on their own. They aren't succeeding on their own. There isn't enough time, enough effort, enough workers for them to make it by themselves. They catch no fish. The second thing they learn is this. <laughs> with Jesus' help, with Jesus' help, there is going to be more than enough. More than enough. So many fish that their nets can't even hold them all. That breakfast they have with Jesus, there's no way that the 12 of them can eat 153 large fish. <laughs> Which leads to the third thing the disciples learn. Jesus isn't there just to feed them. Or even to teach them how to feed themselves. He's there to teach them how to feed others through him until everyone is fed, until everyone knows the abundance of God's reign, until everyone knows that there is room at the table for them, for all of them. One of the things I love so dearly about WPC is how much you embody that truth. Now, some of you, this is the first time you've been here, or maybe the second, and you're still learning about what all this means, but you got a taste of it, so to speak, this morning. <laughs> What I love about this place is that in our culture that worries so much about scarcity, you live the belief in a thousand different ways that there is enough already. That there is enough already. There's enough fish to fry and bread to share and welcome to offer, not because of our cleverness, but because of Christ's radical generosity, his self-giving generosity. So you share, and you share, and you share some more, just as Jesus taught us to do. Isn't that what we heard this morning in Bruce's powerful testimony? The work of the West Side Food Bank ensures that Christ's call to feed his sheep isn't just a pipe dream. It's a reality today. For over 40 years, this church has been part of that mission because we believe that everybody deserves a place at the table. Everyone belongs. Isn't this what Jesus calls his disciples to do? And the same is true for PATH, people assisting the homeless, which our church was instrumental in founding. Last year alone, PATH helped nearly 
1,200 families move into their own homes and provided support services to nearly 18,000 Angelinos. I hope you can join us after worship to hear Jennifer Hartbeats tell us about the three-year strategic plan. Isn't ending homelessness what Jesus called us to do? And none of it. None of it would be possible if we tried to do it on our own. If we can learn anything from the story of the first disciples, it is this, that all of our best efforts to return to normal are going to fail if we try to do this on our own. Which is why the other ministry that we're honoring this day matters just as much. The ushers and greeters at the door of our church every Sunday. I wanna ask all of you to stand, all of you ushers and greeters to stand and turn around and face the congregation and the cameras. selfish or even absurd to say that ushering matters as much as feeding the hungry and sheltering the unhoused. And yes, if that is all we did, if our ministry ended by inviting people in, that would be absolutely true. But I've become convinced that it matters precisely because our ministry starts here. Our ministry starts here. Because if we don't gather here to be fed, if, if we don't gather here to meet Christ, we will never have enough to share. If, if we don't come here to be nourished, we will never know the power of Christ to fill every person. Which is why Jesus himself is the one who invites us to this table. Which is why Jesus promises us still where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you, now, still, here. Let me close where I began this meditation with the words of Dr. Sheldon Sorge, who says it better than I can. He says, Jesus had much more to say about those on the social margins than he did about those in the church, but we ignore the church at our peril. We need the church, 
as the practice field for being the kind of people Jesus calls us to be. We gather in his name in order to be in his presence from which he sends us out to do his work in the world where we will again encounter him, but never know we did. Yes, Jesus is with us wherever we gather in his name, wherever we partake of his body and blood at the table. There in his company, we are nourished in him and through each other's company. It's so good to be there in his company that like Peter at Jesus' transfiguration, we might just want to set up camp and stay there. But Jesus always turns us out back into the world where he is truly everywhere, in person in each and every person. What would our world be like, Sheldon asks. What would our world be like if we treated every single person as though they were Jesus himself? We can begin by practicing that in the church. That's one of the primary reasons the church exists to exhibit the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's a tall order, make no mistake. But if we can do it here, maybe we can do it anywhere until everyone, everyone finds their place at the table. Amen.